Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Winning, there will be a sign-up in the lobby uh, before you leave today. Sign up, be here next Sunday morning, four classes. And when you walk out of that class, you'll know how to take your Bible and lead another person to Christ. Please sign up for that. Also, this coming Wednesday night is Discovering 101. Brother Bill's already talked about it. I'm going to put this down up here. Uh, somewhere, if I can find a place here at the altar, this will be good. And before you leave here today, sign up. Plan on being back here Wednesday night for Discovering Membership. You'll learn so much uh, in that class. Well, praise the Lord. Are you having a good time? I tell you, it's fun serving the Lord, isn't it? This is is awesome. Uh, I want to talk to you today about finances. Did I hear a collective groan then? (laughs) I want to talk to you about money. I want to talk to you about debt. You you see, um, uh, this year so far, I've been talking to you about getting unstuck. Getting unstuck uh, in your faith. Getting unstuck in your family. That's what we dealt with last time. And this morning, I want to talk to you about getting unstuck in your finances. How how to, to get unstuck in that area that is so difficult for many of us. Is it possible, I'm just asking you, is it possible that a book that was written thousands of years ago could hold the answers to our financial problems today? And the answer is yes. Uh, The Bible is that book. Call me old-fashioned if you want to. But I still believe this old holy book has the answers, don't you? I believe it has all the answers that we need. You see, if the one who created the universe, if the one who created you and me, if if the one who knows the end from the beginning, if he is indeed the author of this book, then I believe it's true and I believe it holds all the answers. This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions immutable. Read it to be wise, practice it to be safe, and believe it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Christ is its subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. We should read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is given to us in life. It will be opened in judgment and remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, and condemns all who trifle with its holy precepts. This is the Word of the living God. And it has all the answers. It has all the answers. I never get tired of quoting that. Because it reminds me of just how important the Word of God is. Well, today what we'll do is we'll take a close look at some scriptures that will teach us how to get unstuck 
and our finances. Now, more than likely, the enemy is whispering in somebody's ear right about now, saying, here we go again. Another sermon on tithing. The church must be in need of some money. Well, friends, neither would be true. I can tell you that this message is not about tithing. I will refer to tithing toward the end of the message, but it's not about tithing. And this church does not need money. I tell people all the time, God is not broke. He's not even on hard times. And when God guides, He provides. And I can testify just for a few moments. I can tell you that I've been pastoring uh, this congregation for almost 30 years now, and we've never had any financial problems. I, I can tell you we went through one of the worst recessions in the history of our nation, and we never missed a beat. Financially, God just kept blessing us here. I can tell you that River of Life Church is completely 100% debt free. We don't owe anybody anything. And I can also tell you we're getting ready to build a beautiful children's worship center out back. And we will do it without borrowing one penny. So, that should clear the air. This is not about tithing, and I'm not trying to raise funds. God is not broke. But since I am at this point, I do want to tell you about two men who were marooned on a deserted island. One man was scared to death. He was pacing back and forth, worried, scared, praying as hard as he could. And the other man was stretched out on the beach with his hands behind his head, with a big smile on his face, sunning himself as if he were on vacation. Well, the man that was worried and frightened said to him, what are you doing? Don't you understand where we are? Don't you understand how difficult this situation is? Don't you understand that we could die on this island? And the man that was laying back said, no, no, we won't die on this island. Everything will be fine. He said, I make $100,000 a week. And he said, I give 10% of that to my church every Sunday. I'm a faithful tither. He said, my pastor will find me. (laughs) You better believe if he were a member of River of Life, I'd find him. Friends, when it comes to finances, the Bible has a lot to say about finances. God is our provider. Giving is a requirement. Saving is a sign of wisdom. Debt steals our freedom. God wants us to be content with what we have. A wise man keeps good records. God wants us to work hard now and enjoy the fruit of our labors later, and wise counsel leads to prosperity. Today, I hope and pray I can give you some wise counsel right out of God's Word that will help you get unstuck in the area of finances. So if you're ready, we'll get started. The first thing I want you to know is this, and that is God doesn't want you to be stuck in debt. 
God doesn't want you to be deeply in debt to the world or the financial institutions of this world. That's not God's will for your life. It's not God's will for His children. Romans 13, 8. And this is one of those verses I hope you'll mark in your Bible. Oh, no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. And then Proverbs 22, 7 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Now, we don't like to think of ourselves as slaves, do we? But according to the Bible, when you borrow money from someone, in some ways, you become that person's slave. You obligate yourself to that person. You begin to work for them or for that institution. You are working for their profit. And the Bible calls that slavery. And God doesn't want us to be slaves. Owe no man anything but to love one another. The borrower is slave to the lender. God doesn't want you to be a slave. God doesn't want you to be deep in bondage. God uh, doesn't want you to be a slave to somebody else. He wants you to have one major debt to pay. And that's a debt of love to Him and a debt of love to mankind around you where you love them in His name. That's what God's want, God wants. But so many people today find themselves deep in debt. And even Christians do this. For those of you who are my age and older, you will remember an old song by Tennessee Ernie Ford about a coal miner. You load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. Say it with me. St. Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Oh, you remember that? Hey, I'm so far in debt, I can't even die. Basically, that's what that's saying. Well, friends, I can tell you, God doesn't want you to be a day older and deeper in debt. That's not what God wants. He doesn't want you to owe your soul to the company's story. He doesn't want you to owe your soul to the institutions around you. That's not what God wants. Now, friends, I am not one of those preachers who preaches that if you get right with God, you'll get rich. I don't preach that. I don't believe that. I think that's way off base. But I am one of those preachers who preaches this, that if you trust God and you put your faith and trust in God, and if you believe this book, that your loving, faithful, heavenly Father will bless you. I believe that with all my heart. Listen as I read Deuteronomy 28, 11 through 13. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you His good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season. And to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments. Now this is important. Some people stop right there. But if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I commanded you today... And, you, and, and you're careful to observe them. Oh, friends, 
You know what God was saying to the children of Israel? He was saying, if you will obey me, I am your father, I will bless you. I'll take care of you. I will bless you. He says, if you obey me, I will open my good treasure for you. I don't think God has changed, do you? I think God is still blessing those who obey Him. And and the Bible teaches that. Paul believed that. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. My goodness, we have an Old Testament passage of Scripture that says God will open His good treasure for you. We have a New Testament Scripture that says He will bless you according to His riches in glory. God wants to bless us. The first thing we need to understand is this. God hasn't forgotten about us. God does care about us. God doesn't want us to be under bondage. He doesn't want us to be beneath the load. He wants us to be above the load. He wants us to be the kind of people who can lend to others and help others and bless them. Uh, the, the scripture paints a picture where you and I are obedient to our God. His blessings flow into our lives and those blessings flow through us and to the lives of other people. God wants to bless us. Hold on to that because we'll build on that. Now, the first thing that I want to share with you once you get that in your head that God does really want to bless you and He doesn't want you to be in the bondage of debt. That God wants you to live by a sacred principle. Deuteronomy 20 verse 6 says, And is there any man who has planted a vineyard and has not enjoyed its fruit? Let him go back to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man enjoy its fruit. Now what in the world is the Bible talking about here? It's actually talking about the nation of Israel going to war. What it's saying is this. If the nation is getting ready to go to war, and all the troops assemble, and the commander of the troop was to ask this question to the military guys, Jonathan. He was to ask this question. Is there any man among us who has planted a vineyard, and worked in that vineyard, and labored in that vineyard, But the vineyard has not yet produced fruit. You've worked in a vineyard, but you have not yet eaten of that fruit. And if a man raised his hand, that commander had to say, You, son, cannot go into battle with us. You have to go back home to your vineyard. And the reason you have to go back home, the reason you're exempt from the draft, the reason you can't go fight with us, is because you might die in the battle and another man would eat the fruit of your labor. And God said that wouldn't be right. That's not what we want. This is not right. You see, God is laying down, it, just, it seems so trivial here, but God is laying down a sacred standard for us, and that is that when a person works and labors, they should enjoy the fruit of their labor. By the way, for every man and woman here today who has worked faithfully and hard and dedicated during your lifetime and now you're enjoying the fruit of your labor, don't you ever let anybody make you feel bad about that. It is a sacred principle. You work hard, you enjoy the fruit of your labor. That's a sacred principle. Now here's where the problem comes in. 
The financial institutions of our world have turned that principle around. They've reversed it. The banks, the credit unions, the lending institutions, the credit card companies all say this. They say, you can have it now and you can work for it later. Wait, that's not what this says. This says you work for it now and then you enjoy the fruit of your labor. But they tell us you can have it now, you can enjoy it now, and you can work for it later. You can pay for it later. Well, friends, that's a trap. That's a trap. And it's a bad trap. And it's a trap that people fall into all the time. And they get stuck in that trap. And one of the first things you need to know if you want to get unstuck in the area of finances is that God wants you to get unstuck. The second thing you need to know is this. God wants you to work hard and He wants you to enjoy the fruit of your labor. He doesn't want you to reverse that process. I was 32 years old when I found this verse. It's, it's something that my wife and I talk about often. 32 years old I found this verse. I read it and I finally got it and I sat down at my little kitchen table. We were pastoring in South Georgia. I sat down at that table. I took my credit cards. I spread them out on the table and I took the scissors and I cut every credit card I had up. Cut every one of them up. Had a wife, two young children. I cut all of them up. And then I told my wife, I said, you come sit down at the table with me and you put your cards out there. She did. I handed her the scissors. I said, your turn. I read the scripture to her. My wife took those scissors in her hands. And she looked at me. (laughs) And my wife said, I've had some of these cards longer than I've had you. (laughs) She said, I don't know if I can do this. And the Lord gave me more wisdom at that moment than I usually walk around with. And I said, that's okay. But I just want you to know today, as much as God will help me, I'll start living by a principle in God's Word. You don't have to, but I am. Well, that just made her night miserable. She had a sleepless night. The next morning when she sat down at the table, the cards were still there, the scissors were there. She cut up all of her credit cards. And from that day to this day, with the help of God, my wife and I have been living according to a sacred principle where we work now and then we enjoy the fruit of that labor. I remember the first time we did this, my wife found a living room set that she wanted. And we went, we looked at it, we found out how much it cost, we went home and we saved our money for months and months and months until we had enough money and then she went and bought it and paid cash for it. Folks, that feels good. There's something about that that just feels right. You work first and then you enjoy the fruit of your labor and because God has ordained it, and he's the one who has sanctioned it, then he puts his blessings upon him. And, and I don't want to make it sound easy. It's not easy. It's hard. You have to say no to yourself. You have to be disciplined. You, you, you have to be committed or it won't work. But I want to tell you something, friends. We've seen God's hand at work in, in our family uh, since that day we sat at that table. Now, do I think it's a sin to use a credit card? No. I do not. 
I think a credit card is a dangerous thing that can get you deep in trouble and deep in bondage. And if you're struggling with debt, you probably do not need a credit card. That's my opinion. Do I think it's a sin to borrow money from the bank? No. No, I don't. I don't think it's a sin to go borrow money. But this is what I believe. Borrowing is not God's best. That there is a better biblical way. That God wants us, according to His Word, to trust in Him. He wants us to put our faith in Him, not the financial institutions of the world. He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to work hard. He wants us to be patient. He wants us to wait for the produce, the product of our work. And He wants us to wait for Him to bless it. I believe that's what God wants. And I think what happens many times is Christians, rather than working and waiting and being disciplined, they run out from under the blessings of God and they run to a financial institution and they borrow money and get themselves deep in debt. When had they only stayed there and worked and trusted God, He would have made a way for them that would have been far better than going deep in debt. That's my opinion. And and I'll tell you what my opinion is about some people and their testimonies. I think this would be an honest testimony for some people, some Christians. This would be an honest testimony. My God shall supply some of my needs according to His riches and glory. And when He comes up short, then I'll use my credit card. I, I, that would be honest, wouldn't it? Listen, I preached this sermon years ago in South Georgia. And on Monday morning, my phone rang and a lady in my church, this is what she said to me. She said, Pastor, I heard your message. I want you to come by my, my home. I want to talk to you. I stopped by that day. We sat in her living room and she said, Pastor Jones, I want to thank you for that message. That's a great message. I'm all excited. I'm all motivated. I'm ready to do this thing. I want to get out of debt. I want to quit living on the credit principle. And, and I want to live by, by faith. And I said, this is good news. Praise the Lord. I said, I, I, I'm glad you called me by. You've, you've got me all cheered up here. Uh, and she said, and, and I, I want you to know I decided to freeze my credit cards. Now, that was interesting that she didn't cut them up. She decided to freeze them. And to be honest with you, I was just, I didn't have a clue what she was talking about. And I, w- I was thinking, how do you do that? What do you do? Do you call the credit card companies and put your card on some type of inactive status or something? I, I said, ma'am, I don't really understand the process. I said, just how do you freeze a credit card? She said, well, I took a quart jar. She said, I filled it up with water. And then I took all my credit cards and I dropped them down in the quart jar and I put them in the freezer. I froze my credit cards. I said, ma'am, please explain to me how that works. How's that going to help you? She said, well, I heard everything you said. I'm, I'm making a commitment. And she said, and I'm going to try this thing. But if it doesn't work out for me, I'll just thaw the cards out and start using them again. And I won't be any worse off. So I, mean, I looked at her. I said, ma'am, of all the people I've ever known who need to cut up their credit cards, you do. You need to cut up your credit cards. You know Why? Because she was giving God a chance to bless her. But she was saying to God, if you don't come through for me, I've got a backup plan. By the way, try that one this morning. Come to the altar and say, God, I'm going to trust you in this area of my life. But just in case you don't come through, I have a backup plan. 
That won't work, friends. That, that, that won't work at all. That's not how it works. You can't come to God and say, I'll trust you, but if you don't come through for me, I, I, have, a, I have a backup plan. No, friends. You, he has to be your first option. He has to be your last option. He has to be all the options in between. You have to trust Him faithfully. You have to stay with Him. And I can tell you, when you do that, when God is your option, your only option, and when you start putting your faith in Him, miracles start taking place. Oh, I, I, I wish I had about three hours I could preach to you. I could give you so many illustrations. But the first one I want to share with you is a little over 30 years ago, my wife and I were making $28,000 a year between us. That was it, $28,000 a year. And the problem is, is we had made this commitment a couple of years earlier, and we had decided that we would not live on the credit principle, and we were in desperate need of a car. And so we, I didn't know what to do. How do you handle this? So we prayed about it, and finally I decided to go buy a junker. So I went to a car lot, and I bought a car for $400. It was the ugliest car on the planet. I am not joking. Ask my wife. My, my little children were embarrassed to ride in this car. They, it was orange. <laughs> Nothing like a red-headed preacher in an orange car. It was orange. And I bought that car. Paid cash for it. I bought it. A lady in our church, one of the leading ladies in our church, she came to me maybe two months after I bought the car, and she said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I said, what is it? She said, this is serious, and I don't even, I don't even know how to approach you in this matter. But she said, I need to tell you, you're embarrassing the congregation. I said, oh my Lord, what am I doing that it would be embarrassing the church? I, and I did. I said, what am I doing that would be embarrassing you? She said, it's the car you're driving. <laughs> I said, really? She said, we, it's talk going all over the church. Everybody is embarrassed that our pastor is driving a car like this. So help me. She said, we think you need a new car. Ooh, my countenance changed immediately. I thought, this church is going to buy me a new car. They're going to buy me a new car. This thing really does work. It don't work. I, and I said, I couldn't agree more. I need a new car. She said, really? She said, you agree with me? I said, absolutely. I need a new car. I was waiting. And she said, well, okay. I'm going to go tell everybody you're going to buy you a new car. And, and then she walked out, and I thought, what in the world was that all about? Can I tell you that for the next two years, I continued to embarrass my congregation <laughs> by the car I drove? And for two years, my wife and I made payments to ourselves. I tell people all the time, if you can make a car payment to the bank, but you can't make a car payment to yourself, you have a slave mentality. Amen. You have to have a taskmaster. You have to have somebody who makes you do it. My wife and I made car payments to ourselves, and a couple years later, we drove that old green, um, that old orange car to the car lot. By the way, I didn't trade it in. They didn't even want that old orange car. <laughs> and we bought a new car. Now, it wasn't completely new. It had about seven or 8,000 miles on it. And we bought, uh, it was new to us. We bought that car. 
And we paid $12,000 for that car. And we paid cash for it. You say, how do you do that when you're making $28,000 a year? I don't know. Except I know that when God gets involved, when you start trying to do it God's way, He'll begin to kiss you. He'll begin to bless you. And we drove that thing home. And friends, I want to tell you, that's one of the best feelings I ever had in my life. I'm a little bit embarrassed to tell you this, but every now and then, I'd go to the window and I'd pull the shades back and I'd just look out at it. I'd say, paid for. (laughs) Paid for. And and, and I, I just, it's God's way. God's way is a good way. And we didn't stop right then. We kept making payments to ourselves. And we've never stopped that. And when we need a new car, we go and buy a new car. God will bless you, but at some point you have to suffer. You have to make a commitment. You have to endure a few ugly years, if you please. By the way, I gave that old ugly car to a lady in our church that didn't have a car. She thought it was the most beautiful car on the planet. And she drove it back and forth to church every Sunday. And it was so... I've just seen God get involved in the lives of people who really, really are committed to do it, doing it God's way. I had a young man walk into my office one day. This has, again, been many years ago. He said, Pastor, I've heard what you said. I want to do it. I'm committed. He said, but the problem is, is that I'm in debt. My wife is in debt. They hadn't been married very long. He said, we're in debt. We're both in school. We're, we're borrowing money just to be in college, and we're working on the side. And he said, I've heard everything you've got to say, but it is impossible. It is impossible for me to do what you are saying I should do. Some of you already know what I said to him. With God... All things are possible. When did we quit believing that? When did we stop believing that with God all things are possible? And I said, with God all things are possible. And he said, how is it possible? And I said, now that I can't answer. But I can tell you we serve a miraculous supernatural God. And he'll get involved in your life. And he will help you if you'll just trust him. We got on the floor in my office. We prayed together. He made a commitment. He walked out. And he said, Pastor, I'm going to do this thing. He said, I may have to drop out of college. My wife may have to drop out of college. We we may, I don't know how we're going to do it. But he said, I'm going to stop borrowing money. And start paying off the indebtedness. About two months later he walked into my office. And he said, Pastor, you will not believe what happened. Now I love it when people say that. And they're never right. I always do believe what they tell me. He said, Pastor, you won't believe this. He said, I'm renting a little house on a large farm outside of town. And he said, the other day I was walking around on the farm and I was praying and asking God to help me with my finances. I went by uh, one of these huge grain silos and it's got a little bitty door on it. And I opened that door to look in and see what was in it. He said, there was corn in this silo. And, and he said, the first thing I noticed, it was working alive with bugs. And so I called the guy that I'm renting the house from. I said, you got bugs in your corn? He says, not my corn. He said, it belongs to a lawyer up in Atlanta. So he said, he called the lawyer up in Atlanta. And he said, hey, listen, I'm living on your property down in South Georgia. You got bugs in your corn. The lawyer said, it's not my corn. It belongs to some people overseas. He said, well, goodness alive. He said, said, tell them they got bugs in their corn. And he told me, he said, at that point, I was wishing I had 
just left it alone. He said a few days later, that lawyer in Atlanta called him and said, hey, listen, I talked to the folks who own the corn. They want to sell it. Will you get a buyer and somebody to buy that corn? He said, I don't know anything about selling corn. He said, just call somebody and see if they'll buy it. He said, you're in South Georgia. That's grain country. Find somebody to buy it. And he said, this is how much they want for a bushel of corn. And said, all that you can get over that will be your commission. He said, I found a buyer. He told me how much he had given me for the corn. And he said, he said, I couldn't believe the difference between what they said they wanted and what he said he would give me. And he said, with one commission, God paid every credit card bill. Paid off every debt we had. Paid our school bill. Paid everything. He said, Pastor, I am 100% debt free right now. <clears throat> So, so help me now. With God, all things are possible. Now, I do want to tell you this. I think that's rare. I think that's rare. If you ask me after the service, do I think God will do that with you? I'll say no. But here's what I do believe. I believe this with all my heart, that if you will make a commitment to work, and to start living according to a sacred principle that God gives us in His Word. That God will get involved in your finances. And you will take a major step toward getting unstuck. Now, here's something else that you'll need to know. And that is that God wants you to be content with what you have. God wants you to be content. God doesn't want a bunch of spoiled children who cannot be content. And this is not easy. You see, we live in a commercialized society. Do you understand what it means to live in a commercialized society? That means almost everything around you, everything that's going on around you, is trying to exploit you and make a profit off you. We are bombarded every day of our lives with commercialized propaganda. It's called commercials. It's called commercials. It's commercialized propaganda. Why? Because it's inflated, it's exaggerated, it's false, it's not true. And all of those commercials are directed at making us discontent with what we have. You see, the world wants you to be unhappy and discontent with your life, with your family, with your clothing, with whatever you're driving, whatever you have. The world wants you to be discontent. That's what all the advertising is about. And friends, it's propaganda. Aren't we smarter than that? If you will take this supplement, you'll feel 20 years younger. Really? Friends, if there, were, if there was a supplement out there that would make you feel 20 years younger, you wouldn't need to advertise it on television. We'd all be taking it. And I'd be the first one. If you will use this cream, you can regrow a full head of hair. Really? Really? We are smarter than that, aren't we? How about this one? If you will... Where are my teenagers? Hold, all teenagers, hold your hand up. Or guys, hold your hand up. Just guys, come on. Come on, let's do that. If you will buy this car, all the girls will love you. No, they won't. 
If they didn't like you before you bought the car, they won't like you after you bought the car. And more than likely, you'll be so deep in debt you can't even take them out to eat, so they sure enough won't like you. It's propaganda. It's lies. Digital marketing experts estimate that most Americans are exposed to between 4,000 and 10,000 advertisements every day. TV, radio, magazines, billboards, newspapers, internet, and the list goes on. Oh, friends, we're being bombarded with this stuff. Alluring advertisements. Here's something to consider. Ladies, I'll talk to you for a moment. Consider how difficult it was for Satan to enter the perfect environment of the Garden of Eden and to cause Eve to be discontent. Eve was the crowning achievement of God's creative power. Eve was the last thing recorded in God's Word that He created. By the way, guys, can I get a response from you? I'm glad He didn't stop with Adam, right? So I'm worried about some of you guys. I, I, can you imagine? I forget it. Boy, Eve must have been beautiful, gorgeous. She was perfect. Eve had no sinful nature. Eve lived in a perfect environment. Eve had a, uh, an abundance and variety of food. Eve had no fear of poverty, sickness, old age, or death. Eve had the perfect husband. Perfect husband, perfect wife. Eve's husband had daily fellowship with the Lord. Eve and her husband walked with God in the cool of the day. Eve had no tensions or pressures with in-laws, neighbors, or relatives. Eve had a fulfilling role as a helpmate to her husband. If Eve could become discontent with all of this, there is little hope for us unless we identify and reject the subtle tactics of alluring advertising. Oh, friends, we have to wake up to what the world's trying to do to us. And we have to make up our minds that we will be content, that we will be satisfied with what God gives us. And I really believe this with all my heart. If we'll become content with what God has given us, I believe He gives us more. I believe He blesses us with more. Now, in just a few hours, many of you will be watching the Super Bowl. And I'm no prophet, but I can tell you before the game begins who will win. 100%. I'm going to tell you who will win. The companies that will be advertising during the game. They're the ones that will win. And they already know it because they're willing to pay $5 million for 30 seconds of airtime. They know in just 30 seconds they can get your attention and make you want what they are selling. But God wants us to be content. Philippians 4.11 says, I have learned in whatever situation I'm in to be, help me, content. 1 Timothy 6.6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Friends, God wants us to be content. The world wants us to be discontent. God will help us get out of debt. The world wants us deeper in debt. And when you truly become content in the Lord, a beautiful thing happens. Do you know what happens when you become content in the Lord? You come to a point where you can say no to incurring new debt. You don't have to have anything else to satisfy you.
And you can say no to new debt. And you can start paying off old debt. And you can begin to trust God and see the miraculous hand of God in, going on in your life. And you can get out of debt. I believe that with all my heart. Now, for those of you who have plenty of money and have no debt, and we have people here today that fit that description. If you have plenty of money and no debt, you can also get unstuck. When you become truly content in the Lord, you can start giving generously and helping those who are in need. You can start supporting God's work way beyond the time. But you will never do that unless you're content in the Lord. All right. So let's wrap this up. Somebody's going to walk up to me. I've preached this sermon dozens and dozens of times. Somebody's going to walk up to me after the service and they're going to say, Pastor, I appreciate what you've said. And I'd really like to do it. I'd really like to get out of debt. But these very words I've heard multiple times. But it would take an act of God to get me out of debt. (laughs) Well, friends, that's what we're talking about. And by the way, That's where tithing comes in. It's the only place in the Bible where God says, test me, try me, prove me. Now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, and see if I'll not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing upon you of such measure that you won't even be able to contain it. I'll give you more than you know what to do with. But you have to bring your tithes into the storehouse. You see, friends... If you're in a situation financially where it'd take an act of God, this would be a good place to start. Just just try tithing. Uh, Find somebody in this church who's been tithing for a number of years and ask them if they would ever consider quitting. That they would give up tithing. I can tell you, they won't do it because they know what the hand of God feels like to be on their lives and how good it feels. If somebody walked up to me and said to me, Pastor Jones, I want to give you $100,000. First thing I'd do is I'd hug them and kiss them and tell them they're my new best friend. (laughs) But then if they said to me, but there's one stipulation, one requirement, and that is that if I give you $100,000, it has to be just for you. You can't give any of it to the church. You know what I'd say to that person? Thanks, but no thanks. Because all the money in the world is not worth me getting out from under the blessings of Almighty God. So friends, if you want to get unstuck in your finances, then know this in your head, that God does not want you deep in the bondage of debt. Know this, that God has a sacred principle. You work now and you enjoy the fruit of your labor later. Understand this, God wants you to be content with what He's blessed you with and honor the Lord with your tithes, and God will go to work in your life. As surely as this book is the word of God, if you do those things, it'll make a difference in your life. Would you bow with me in prayer, please? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.